0: welcome to harvest time my name is chris harper and our host on this program is pastor gary walton the pastor of harvest baptist church we often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry you can attend the church this weekend sunday morning we have two services one at 9 a.m and the other at 11 a.m and you can attend either the usual COVID 19 protocols will be in place for both those services. We also live stream the 9 a.m. service. Find it on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And during that 9 a.m. service, we have a Japanese and Korean translation. This week, we'll be back in our series, Jesus Changes Everything, from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15 on prayer. Today on Harvest Time, let's begin by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor.
1: Well, hi, Chris. How you doing? Off a of day to you.
0: Yeah, doing great.
1: Good, good. We're looking forward to being together this Sunday and talking about Matthew chapter 6 and continuing this series on the Sermon on the Mount. As you mentioned, this verses 5 through 15 are talking about prayer. In fact, this is the passage where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer and he tells us this is the model for how we are to pray. I don't think it's saying, you know, repeat this prayer. We're going to talk about that, but here's some elements of what prayer should look like and so he just models it for us and i'm looking forward to that there's also some interesting things in this text about you know don't use vain repetition so we'll talk about what does that mean it says don't pray standing out on the corner but go into your closet so all of these are helpful for us as we try to build a vibrant prayer life in this privilege of talking with our father which is something every christian should desire and, and strive to be a, a key part of our Christian life. So we're looking forward, invite people to join us, either one of the services, and we're going to have a great time together on Sunday. I'm happy to introduce and have with us Scott and Laura Mills. Scott and Laura are have uh, been at Harvest two different times. I'll ask you about that in a minute, but have been back now for eight years as the director of Harvest Baptist Bible College, and God's been using them together in that ministry in just a phenomenal way. And so welcome to you guys, first of Thank all. You. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you. thanks for being willing to come on and talk a little bit about what God's doing in the ministry. But if I can back up, just for some that may not know your story and you know how God brought you to harvest, but what happened in your lives? Did you grow up in Christian homes? Scott, tell us a little bit of the background. I'll ask Laura some questions, too. Uh, I grew up
2: in a Christian home in a congregation that basically was more about the social gospel and, and building houses for, for people and serving in soup kitchens, but they never really presented salvation. They never opened the Bible up much. Hell wasn't presented, and your relationship with God was all about how you can love somebody else. I grew up not knowing the Lord, thinking I did, but that kind of gospel just didn't speak to my heart. So.
1: Laura, you guys met and were married. When, where, how did all that happen? And tell me about your
3: your spiritual story. With mine, my parents were not saved when I was growing up. But I'm thankful for a woman who invited my mom to church. So she brought my siblings and I there, and that's where we heard the gospel. So I'm thankful for that.
1: How old were you then?
3: That was early on. I don't even remember when I first went to church. So I think she had been bringing us for a long time, and it was a, a church that did preach the gospel. So I got saved in the elementary years, faithfully walked with the Lord for a while, and then I drifted away. Mm. My parents did not get saved until much later. So we didn't have that Christian upbringing at home. And I then drifted away from the Lord, went off to college at the University of Nebraska and met Scott there.
1: You guys both from Nebraska?
2: Yeah, I'm from Lincoln and Laura from Omaha.
3: Okay. So we met and married, spent our last two years of college in married housing, and then moved to the east coast
1: okay, moved to the East Coast to start a career you know tell me about your family and kind of your marriage together. When we met
2: my goal my my degrees two degrees that I got was in sociology and social work, and it's kind of reverts back to my upbringing in that church. I really felt like I wanted to save the world, hmm. be a part of something that was good socially, so when we uh We met, I wasn't saved, she was backslidden, and um, our desire then after that was to go to the East Coast. I got a job at, it's called the New England Center for Autism, taught autistic children, and really felt burdened for that area. But I was also in the military at the time too. I got my commission at ROTC in the Army, and um, so I had some training on the East Coast as well, and so we just moved in that direction.
1: I hadn't heard that part of your story before, mm-hmm. Scott. So, you know, even before you'd say you were a Christian and you met Jesus, but, mm-hmm. but you really had a desire to make the world better. I mean, how would you have said that? Or I really did. I, in fact, right out of high school, I wanted to join
2: the Peace Corps. Ah, at the time, yeah. it was really promoted in that church, and those kind of things were, were elevated. And it is important. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But there just wasn't a a spiritual side of of me knowing that I was at battle with the Lord and that I was against Him, so.
1: Laura, you said, you know, you used terms, you just weren't walking with the Lord. What were those early years of your marriage like for you? I mean, did you sense something missing, or did you...?
3: When we got married, he did say he believed in God, and at that point, that was enough for me. So, again, our focus was to finish school and do well, get good jobs, And then it wasn't until we had our first child, and that's when the Lord really opened my eyes. During that whole time, he had been pulling me back because I always felt convicted for not going to church. I stopped going to church, stopped praying, even reading my Bible once I went off to college. But I did feel that pull but ignored it until we had Katie, and that's when the Lord just opened my eyes and helped me to see that I had to get back to him and live for him if I was going to be the mom that she needed.
1: Yeah, if I could just ask you a little bit more because I I don't I don't think your story is that unusual for a lot of people. So during that time period, would you say, you know, you said you felt a pull? Was it like guilt, or was it constant, or just it
3: wasn't constant? That. Yeah, but it was. I'm trying to remember. You wouldn't have
1: probably
2: had anything to do with me if it was a constant pull, right? I no, mean, probably as not. As an unbeliever, as an unbeliever, sure, but.
3: Sure. It would be like Sunday mornings thinking about where I should be, okay, or driving past a church and thinking you know I should be back there mm-hmm. or praying, you know, thinking that I used to pray and you know being having that pull that you know question of why am I not praying? yeah,
1: so not or a question. ignoring
3: that then too, moving on and just ignoring it,
1: yeah, not a question so much of did you believe, but whether it was going to be a part of your life, you right. know, right in this season.
3: And I do remember telling myself that I would serve the Lord later. Mm, interesting. I'd wait yeah. and live for myself now and then so, serve Christ later. Uh,
1: Katie, who was born, and then, you know, you just were thinking about kind of what her upbringing would be like. Or?
3: Yes, and just knowing, I think that's when just looking at my own life and just seeing how I was just living a selfish life. And I didn't want that for Katie or for Scott, our family. So I did go back to church then, went forward, recommitted my life, and got more involved in the church at that point, back to reading my Bible, back to praying. And that's when, marriage-wise, that's when we started really going into two separate directions. I wanted to live for the Lord, and he was, still had those desires of the world to just be successful right. and to...
1: And the career was doing well, right? You were moving forward in kind of a different way than you originally intended. But. Right. I had, I had taught for a while in Massachusetts in
2: Framingham. And at the time, right before that, I took that job. I had about six months of officer basic training in the Ordnance Corps at Aberdeen Proving Ground. And at that time, a bunch of us who had clearances and things like that, a lot of major government agencies would come up and just, give us aptitude tests and applications. And we didn't think anything of it. We just filled them out and <laughs> turned them in. And about a year later or so, I got a call back from the Department of State and we decided, it's funny how things happen in life. You just, just I would have never planned that. It wasn't a plan, that. right, didn't. yeah. It was not even in my, in, in my radar at all. And so we looked at each other and we said, do you want to go work for the government? And okay, so we just <laughs> packed it up and, and left. And really, at that, I was really driven by success and climbing the ladder and being successful and wanting to travel, and and that was my focus. At the time, that she's talking about was right before we got our first tour overseas, which is in Germany. And I was really struggling with a lot of it. I have an addictive, I think, personality anyway. Alcoholism runs in my family and some other addictions on the, both sides mm-hmm. of my family. And I really had a, a struggle with my focus. I was drinking. I was an alcoholic. And I tell people that if you're driving down the Audubon at seven in the morning going to work and you've got beer in your travel mug instead of coffee, that it's you you got a problem. Right. Yeah. yeah you probably got so a pointer was, there. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot, there was gambling addiction as well, which got me into financial trouble and things like that. And so I felt like I was spiraling out of control. But the job portion of it, the career was going well mm-hmm. that, that, and all my focus. So I turned away from the family. I, I provided for them, but I didn't give them, of course, spiritual guidance, but really emotional or anything. And, and that's at the point where Laura and I were, we weren't very far away from splitting and divorce, and she actually
1: called and talked to her parents about how she should do that and come back to the States. So for you, Scott, as Laura kind of came back to the Lord, could you feel some tension right away with that? Was it a competition thing for you? or? Yeah, it's funny you say that. There
2: was. I was pushing back like, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want, but I'm going this direction. And you're a fool for leaning upon that, which is kind of ironic that growing up, you know, I wanted to people to, to feel close to the Lord, but I didn't really know what that meant, you know, I didn't. Right. And so I think that that time in my life, I was just so focused upon that career that I didn't give them the emotional support that they needed. And I've said before, the pinnacle in that for me was to, to see a five-year-old daughter come into a bar on base. We were at Mine Air Air Force Base at the time to come get her dad, to come home. And so things were kind of spiraling out of control for me. And she was growing closer, so it was, it was
1: difficult. Got to give you more than one child now, right, mm-hmm. at this point?
3: Yes, we had Jake by okay. that point, so we had the two. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I had been taking them to church and going to church and even um, getting really close to some of the ladies. We had a, our Sunday school class. The teacher, I shared the need with Scott, and we had another baby that um, had just been born that needed a new heart, had gone through several operations and things, and nothing was working. So we were praying. Our Sunday school teacher saw these needs as great, so she called us together. We'd uh, meet a couple times a, a month and just pray together. And the baby got a new heart, and then we prayed for Scott, too, which helped me so much. I had that support there in Germany yeah. of those friends and that were praying
2: so you were talking about the tension pastor yeah, and so yeah. so I kind of made fun of her kind of newfound faith when I met her she didn't show it or, or express it. So yeah, there was this kind of uh draw to the scriptures, to Bible to try to show her her illogical thinking, right? I'm going to show you these fairy tales and how in the world can, you know, all those animals fit on the ark. Those kind of things. And so I started reading scripture and then hmm. God tells us that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts, and it cut. It started to have an effect, and I didn't know. I wanted to read more and more of it because I wanted to prove it wrong for her, and it it led me down a path where she encouraged me, through those ladies, to take the Bible and a couple other books with me on a trip to Tunisia, and um, Mere Christianity, one of them, um, Born Again by Chuck Colson, and then the Bible, and I never take the Bible, or I never took the Bible. On any trips with me, never had a desire, and I was like, "Sure, I'll take them and read them." I loved to read, and I always thought I could then bolster my arguments against right against sure. her. And then during that trip, God opened my eyes through those books. So just, it wasn't so
1: much somebody talking with you; it really was prayer. And, it really was and the yep. scriptures and some the testimony of some books that were sure. wow. Yeah, and I just
2: saw my condition. Knelt down by that little bed in Tunisia mm-hmm. and just asked the Lord to save me. Now I came back, and she, of course, was like, "Yeah, <laughs> uh, is this for real?" Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was difficult. There were some things that happened right away, mm-hmm. just my language and something. I didn't have a desire to, you know. I had there's a faction in the military that has pretty bad language in it. I was part of that, and and that went away right away. There are yeah. other things that didn't, but I don't know if she believed me. When I first came back.
3: It was exciting, though, to hear that. And it did take a little while to show that that was a true decision. And maybe I'd say within the next six months, it was a little still rough. Mm-hmm. But that was probably one of the first times in my in our marriage where I felt united mm-hmm. in a new way. And that was special at that time. And to see someone completely turn his life around, it was neat to see. So. Sweet story of
1: God's forgiveness and restoration, not just of our lives, but of our relationships and and our families. It's really awesome story. And you know, that was just the beginning for you guys as a family, Mm -hmm. right? There's some more moves, some more career processes that eventually led you to a stay here in Guam, right? Right, 2002. So
2: that first tour was 93 to 96. Then we had a tour in Bangkok, Thailand after that, and then we came here and were attached to the Navy and started our tour here. That's when we wanted our kids to have a Christian education and that kind of, that's the first connection that we had with Harvest is to put our kids uh, in school here, yeah. Mm. And she taught here at the time, after a while, she taught art and so that kind of gave us that first connection.
1: Yeah, and eventually you got very involved in the church. And stayed here for a few years, right? And and three, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in that time, God was really doing a work in both of your hearts about Mm -hmm. what came after, you know, your service, right? Right. Yeah.
3: Even going back to our time after Germany, when he had just gotten saved, God put us right in the right church where we had just good Bible teaching Mm -hmm. that helps God, I think, so much to learn and to grow. And then we went to Thailand, and we were kind of thrown into the church really as doing a lot and learning a lot so to see that now you can see how god was at work even then and then bringing us to guam where he did do a good work in our Mm -hmm. hearts and wanting you know just leaning in the direction of full-time ministry
1: yeah real quick tell us about that scott what was going on there
2: you mean when we got back here
1: yeah kind um, of what's the direction that would bring you? there was a guy before we went to our bangkok tour
2: uh, was a deacon in the church that we were going to in virginia that really took me under his wing discipled me answered all my silly questions and I didn't know really know as much as I grew up in the church I didn't know anything about the Bible we never we never opened it and so he had a great influence upon me and then going to Bangkok and being kind of thrust into that asked to to teach Sunday school I did not even know I had no idea how to how to right. do that I didn't know anything about the Bible at all and so it was a church that had some needs and we were willing and God just provided the, people around us to help us. And in Thailand, he started to work on my heart about wanting to do something when I retired from government for him. And I just prayed about it, we prayed about it. A lot of things were happening at the time that was that was at the time of 911 uh, and things mm-hmm. like that were going on. So we were very focused on job, but that was in, still in the in the back of my mind. And then when we came here, and saw an opportunity to serve, that kind of just re energized this idea. Then we saw the students at HBBI at the time, and we really thought Yuri and Yuri's parents, Yuri Shalhorns parents, Mm -hmm. who were the kind of campus parents at the time for HBBI, and we were like, "Wow, that'd be something that would be neat to do, get involved in ministry in someday." And he continued to work on my heart. Pastor Heron at the time gave me some great advice. I was ready to quit, like, you know, just jump in, Mm. but he gave me some good advice about getting some more education. So I started taking master's degree classes in ministry and things like that. And so it was good to wait and study more to get, to get more educated before we kind of jumped in. And then a guy named uh, the missionary f- from uh, Zambia. Phil Hunt. Phil Hunt, right? right. So he was here, and we were listening to, to his missions conference preaching, and we got up in one of the messages, and she didn't kick me. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't drag me. But we just both stood up, kind of at the same time, and and surrendered. We didn't know what we were surrendering to. Right. We didn't know time frame, and it turned out that it was about ten years later, where we retired at age fifty from the government and came back here in
1: two thousand thirteen. So we've talked before about now Harvest Baptist Bible College. Mm-hmm. We have about sixty five students here on campus, and you guys really lead that ministry just we just have a couple minutes left but tell us about your burdens for that how God shaped that and and what they are currently
2: you know our burden has been that we would partner with missionaries and and pastors on these islands to identify just sold out hungry I say kids but 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 they're not but they're not kids but students that just want to serve him and mm-hmm. spread the gospel and reach their people and to be a part of that has been been a blessing God's granted that for us, but to be able to partner with them and then just have an impact on this area of the world we came when we were here stationed here we loved Guam we love the the people here the the ethnic melting pot that mm-hmm. it is that sometimes it's a cliche if you say it east meeting west, but yeah. it really it, it really is really yeah. is. In my early years of just being interested in cultures and people early on in college, I think God used that, as well as my travels all over the world and our travels, to just love different cultures. And so to be able to be a part of spreading the gospel, we really want them to go back, those students to go back to their islands. That might be something that people pray f- for the students about, mm-hmm. because I think, uh, especially in this day and age with social media and i don't want to say the trappings of the world but basically when students come here from especially some outer islands they're really drawn to what i was searching for Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is career and money and housing and and just being comfortable and and those kind of things and especially from some of the islands where they want to help their parents they want to help their families they want to send money back right and so they're drawn to the states and other places so pray for them that they would find pockets of Micronesians in different areas if they don't go back to the islands. But our burden is that they would.
1: Yeah. Well, God's gifted both of you administratively, and it's been so amazing to see the ways that God has really grown Harvest Baptist Bible College in, in that way, but more significantly with hearts for these young people and for these students in your discipleship mindset. And the fruit of that is... Uh, really from both of you, Laura, your care and love and counsel in these girls' lives. We just see them growing in so many ways. And Scott, the same thing. It's really been great to watch you guys give yourself. I mean, that's in this season of life, I think, I, in fact, I, I know it's been exciting for you too, but to be able to give yourselves to this kind of thing and then to think about the multiplication of these years of your life mm. in on ministry around the world, I'm I'm just so thankful for both of you being willing to stand up in that missions conference and say whatever you want, Lord, we'll do, and, yeah. and then and then God choosing to say, here's here's the place. So thank you for answering that call, and we'll continue to pray for God's blessing on your ministry and on these students as they train and then eventually go to serve. So thank you guys. Yeah,
2: if I could say just one one last thing, though. Yeah. The, whenever I'm have the opportunity to to share there's, I know there's men out there, I know there's women out there that, that might be in the military, that might be in the government, that might be in, in even business or whatever. And you know, you can, God can use you in in mm-hmm. a quote, second career. You know, we started at 50 and he has a whole second career for us. You can retire. If you have these burdens, the, the, the things that I felt that God put upon my heart, you can do it. You can just, give that to them so I just want to encourage if there's anybody out there in the same kind of situation you can
1: get into quote full-time missions work yeah I love that and the fulfillment in your lives of you know of this season of life it I can see it you know in every way not just in the results but I see it also in you so thank you guys thanks Scott for for saying that we want to continue to have that passion that burden out there yeah okay thanks for having us
0: and thank you for listening to Harvest Time Just a reminder, you can attend Harvest Baptist Church this weekend. Sunday, we have two services, one at 9 a.m. and the other at 11 a.m. We have the usual COVID-19 protocols in place. We'll also have our live stream at the 9 a.m. service. You can find that on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, back in our series, Jesus changes everything from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15 on prayer. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.